our last Sunday of this series of I am, am I Enough? Good or bad, right? Uh, we began this whole series with just understanding that as the culture has moved church out of our, yes, culture moved church out of our society, out of our culture, out of, as an authority in our lives, we've replaced that authority with a new authority, and it's this religion of enoughness. And instead of having Pharisees only on Sundays, we now live with these Pharisees in our minds like every hour. Because what we need to ha have, what our brains require of us, this is our brain makeup, is who, do, who am I and who is my tribe? These two very factors. And church used to answer that, but since church is no longer allowed to answer that, we have this religion of enoughness that's running all of us tired. So that was our beginning. And then we moved on to how we use our time to make us enough. And we believe this lie of crazy busy that if I am crazy busy, then my whole existence is validated. Then we moved into this lie that captures us is if I don't know who I am and I'm running myself to see who my tribe is so that they will tell me who I am, then we wonder deep in our soul, does God ever really love me? And Pastor Matt used all of Romans 8 to prove it to us that God really does love us and that we are enough and this is where our identity is. And then we moved into finances and how we use our finances to tell us, are we enough? And that one is a tricky one, right? And is it any wonder we're in more debt these days? And last week we talked about how our very identity, how we create identities to fit situations to tell us that we are enough. And again, there's a lie in there about our identity and something that we believed as a child maybe has formed our identity and we keep in this striving and striving and striving to be enough. And now we're on our last week and we're gonna be talking about our love and relationships that we use to help us feel like we're enough. So to do that, to kick this off, I have two very lovely people coming up here to help us. I know, I know. Go to the mix. Hello, hello. I'm looking for my wife. Wait, okay, okay. If this is where it has to happen, then this is where it has to happen. I'm Jordan, not... microphone. Use the microphone. <laughs> How about that? This used to be my specialty, you know. I was good in the living room. Uh, they'd send me there, I'd do it alone. And now, I just, I don't know. But tonight, our little project, our company, had a very big night, a very, very big night. But it wasn't complete. It wasn't nearly close to being, as in, being in the same vicinity as complete because I couldn't share it with you. I couldn't hear your voice or laugh about it with you. I missed my wife. We live in a cynical world, a cynical, cynical world, and we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me, and I, if I just had... Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yes, so thanks to a movie from 1996, Lover's Been Redefined, and it's all about your identity now. Now, you got to understand, there's a world where Catherine and Jordan have never seen the movie Jerry Maguire. <laughs> it was before they were born, and they still have not seen it. Yeah, this is a pretty iconic movie, right? <laughs> so that was super awkward for them because they never saw the scene. But you guys all know what scene we're talking about here, and that has defined relationships. It is now all about you in that relationship. And we have this legend of the soulmate that has been created to fill this never-enoughness. Never Will I find my soulmate? Did I marry my soulmate? Did I rest, did I settle, and my soulmate is still out there? So, I went to Wikipedia to find the origin of the soulmate. How interesting, and how not what we think a soulmate is. So it goes back to Plato, but it also involves Apollo and Zeus, and is a story about children of the sun, and children of the earth, and children of the moon, which were born to the moon and the earth following me here? Okay, so it's a story about humans having great strength at the time and threatening to conquer the gods. You see how love is in here? Okay. The gods were then faced with the prospect of destroying the humans with lightning as they had done with the titans, but then they would lose their tributes given to the gods by the humans. So Zeus developed this creative solution to split the humans in half so they could then double the tributes and take away their power. But those halves people were so miserable without each other that they were actually dying, and then they were not getting tributes anyway. So Apollo decided to sell them back up, and that is their soulmate. So all is right with the world again once you're sewn back up by the gods and you're a whole person when you find this person. Except when you realize this is really not romantic, not mystical, all about the gods being very selfish <laughs> and playing with us. It is just rooted in selfishness. And the reality is with this myth is you got two half people running around looking to become complete. Does that sound like it's good for anyone? Does that sound like it may be Jerry Maguire and you complete me? Does this sound like a train wreck of a relationship? and nobody should wish this for anybody else? Yes. So, let's take that thought and consider it with Ephesians 3.19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It is God who makes us complete. This goes back to the very beginning. As we learn from this entire series, we have begun completed, we've begun loved, and we've begun as good. And if you even read the creation account, it, it, it states this. Of course, whenever God created something, he said, it is good. When it got to the humans, he created, that didn't change. But when it got to the humans, it got to this, this very beautiful description of how God stooped down and took the dust and formed the earth and breathed into it and created us humans. 
That's a very beautiful picture of our very beginning, and this is where we begin. This is where we begin completed, and it is good. But since this beginning, why do we try to fill our emptiness with our relationships? Why do we expect our boyfriends or girlfriends to complete us? Why do we expect our children to make us complete? Why do we expect our spouses to make us complete? Because, this is the truth, no one wants to be someone's solution for a life that's not working. So why do we do this to the people that we love? I know a teen, I know a, I know a grown teen now, who shared, me, shared with me this very heartbreaking story. She's about 15 years old, she's getting ready, she was in the kitchen, and her dad just breezed in and gave her a compliment of how beautiful she looked that day. What teen girl doesn't want to hear that from her dad, right? But for her, she broke down crying and said, Pat, please stop. Please stop doing that. It's getting twisted into my mind as negative and creating an expectation for me to meet. Because this poor teen was living out the identity of her mother who was living it out through her children. And this is added, I'm, I'm doing a project for you the teens, the parents, the church, I'm not quite sure yet. Something stirred in me a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing this project. I've had, I'm asking some teens to answer some questions for me. And this came in my email a couple of days ago, so I'm going to include it. It's from a teen whose mother was a teen in my youth group in the 80s. And this is what she wrote to me in answer to a question that I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this project yet. I feel like I should always be perfect for my family for my mom, my siblings, my nephew, and my niece who isn't even born yet. This isn't a burden they have placed on me. It is completely my own. I don't want to be vulnerable in front of them. I want to always look like I have it together. I want them to be able to count on me. That's why I don't let them see me cry, ever. I don't let them see me like that. I want to be the strong one for them. They have to be able to count on me because when everything is crumbling and nothing makes sense, I'll be standing there when the dust settles. But this causes me to never let my guard down. I'm never vulnerable with them, so I can't tell them my true feelings. Not because I don't trust them, because I don't want them, I don't want to burden them with my own problems when they have problems of their own. And it's like this never-ending cycle that I can, I'm not able to get out of. I think my family would just get mad at me if I just, if I let them down, and that scares me so much. I want to always make them happy and not be the cause of their pain or anger. And I'm afraid this is not just a teen thing. This is not just a Gen Z thing. This is not just an issue for today. Because I think too many of you guys also have felt that feeling going up, growing up, feeling that pressure to be someone's solution for a life that's not working. You guys... We have people in our lives we love so much, it hurts. We never want to hurt them, burden them, make them feel less than, make them feel shame. We don't want this. We never put this expectation. And this teen realizes her mother never put this on her. We never want this, ever. Which means we have got to do the hard work finding our identity in Christ and living that identity in Christ and living from that point forward so we can stop this hustle of enoughness. Because you guys, your identity is 
in Christ. Worthiness is your very, very birthright. One more verse to add to this that we've been adding throughout the series is 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word. It's the New International Version. Lavished. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And you guys may know this, but it's so much easier to keep in your pattern because you're doing your best, and your best is you're still trying to control the outcome. And you know your hustle, but then you see the hurt that you're doing, so you you want to stop this because you see you're hurting the people you love so much, but then that makes you feel vulnerable. <laughs> so you start hustling again, and you become vulnerably ripped open that you did this again, and you're just trying to control the outcome again because it just hurts so much, and you're just in this mad, crazy cycle. <sighs> Everyone, God loves you still doesn't change the truth. God loves you. And this is what this whole series has been about, to change this mad cycle that you know and you hate, but you also find yourself caught up in. So I think maybe at this point we need a story about a bunny, right? Um, when I was growing up, I was maybe about age 10 or 12. By the way, you guys, this lady back here is my sister. <laughs> She was in the store with me this day, <laughs> whether she remembers it or not. Um, we were at a Kmart in Minnetonka, and I saw this little resin bunny statue that had a saying on it, and I wanted it so bad. It just was perfect for me, but my mom said no, because it was excessive, and we didn't have a lot of money back then, and I never got it. But I started to draw this bunny over and over and over again, and the message on this little bunny thing was, you are no bunny till somebody loves you. And at that moment, that message spoke to me, spoken to my never enoughness, that I'm going to be nobody, or no bunny, on pumpkin Sunday, until somebody loves me. And this kept me in scarcity, it kept me, it hurt my soul, until Jesus healed my heart. If you guys remember who was here, like a year ago, we celebrated my 40th anniversary of my salvation experience. And it was just, it was simple, the very words being told that Jesus loves me, that just broke open my very bruised heart. But when you believe this lie that nobody loves you, and you hear that Jesus loves you, you can see why that just totally changed the trajectory of my life. So, I'm afraid your story probably doesn't have a cute bunny involved. It is probably justifiably sad, and it probably hurts you, hurts you deeply to the soul. But I know also, somewhere in that story, there's a lie that you believe about yourself. And we're going to call that lie out today. I want to give you this verse also, Colossians 2.10. So you are also complete. Ta-da! Through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. You got this truth, then you have your soul reality. So I'm all for healing this root. All for healing this. So, I'm going to give you guys some more steps like I did last week, but more. 
each one of these, you guys, is its own message, its own sermon. So I'm going to go through it, hang with me, in very bite-sized pieces here. First, I want you to know, you guys are already ahead. Everyone has this, like, God hole in their hearts, because we were born this way. Our brains were actually finding out there is created this way to have a religion, to have a God, to know this kind of a of outside force that loves us. You guys are ahead because you're in church. So I want you to know you already know the answer of Jesus. You already know that your identity is in Christ. So I want you to not be beating yourself up, but know that you are here. You are ahead already in this process. Um, oh, this is a beautiful verse in Job 33, 4 that you do not have, David. Um, for the spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Again, this has been just breathed into us. So no matter what birth circumstance you're born into, no matter what has happened, this very beginning, when God has breathed into you and you were complete at that moment, has never, ever gone away. Next, you just need to simply believe these truths that you've been hearing over the last six weeks. You just need to start believing them. We've been talking about Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Matt used this, and I'm going to just repeat if I can have Matt's passion when he reads this. Romans 8, 37 through 39. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, get that, you guys? Nothing. Nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Just because your heart has been smashed by what something something has happened in your life or something someone spoke words over you does not change this truth ever. So start reading your words. Start getting this truth into you so this is what's speaking to you, not those words in your head. So with that... I'm giving you all authority over your brain. You've all actually already had this authority over your brain, but I don't know if you really know it. So by the power invested in me, I give you authority over your brains. Because understand, you guys, your brain is an organ. It's a beautifully, wonderfully complicated organ that God created for us. But it does not lead us brains actually just regurgitate information. Okay? And we have this verse in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We are not what our brains lead us to believe. We can take those thoughts captive because this is the authority God has, been, has given to us. Then there's this verse in Philippians 4.8. Many of us know it. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, is, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This verse makes zero sense unless we do have that authority over our brains. We can change the thought process in our brains. This is our authority. 
if we don't lead your brain, then you have just given authority to anything and anyone who has spoken words into your life that are lies. And then because your brain regurgitates, and this is what the neuroscience is showing us again and and again, your brain is just regurgitating that, and you believe it to be true. When you can capture those thoughts, you can lead your brain. You can actually rewire your brain. One, two sentences out of a brain study I did not understand, but I got this part of it. It said 12 minutes of attentive and focused prayer every day for eight weeks changes the brain significantly enough to be measured in a brain scan. That's 12 minutes for eight weeks. Plus the practice, so that's, again, you're changing, if you just can do that, you're leading your brain, you're adding a practice into your life, you're changing the brain scans, read of that, and they found in the brain scan that that kind of a change affects all kinds of areas of your life, including your stress, and how you handle anxiety, and how you even approach strangers, all of this is being rewired. 12 minutes of prayer for eight weeks in a row. You have the authority to rewire your brains. You can become this identity in Christ. Um, Second, we're going to talk about boundaries again. Because you as a whole person are worthy of having boundaries. You're not this half person looking for somebody else to complete you, but you're a whole boundaried person, and you're worth that. When we don't set boundaries, we blur into our relationships. We feel lost, and we just get lost in those relationships. And then we start having these differing identities based on where we're with and who we're with. But you guys are worthy enough to have boundaries, to be this whole person. And understand that at the beginning of time, God created this world with boundaries. He separated the light and the dark. He made the water and the land. These are all boundary things. You guys were created. Boundaries are actually an expression of love. Do not feel shame to put up boundaries of somebody who has hurt you. This is you becoming you. So that you can be loved wholly and complete and not this blurry person. I'm sure you guys can all think of somebody you know who's a really blurry person who's constantly got issues, right? Or is that you? Um, practice gratitude. Again, I talked about this last week. I'm going to mention it again. This actually also rewires your brain. So the more you practice this, the more your brain is rewiring and you're going to be changed. Dare to forgive. And I use that word dare on purpose because no one really likes to deal with forgiveness because often there's a great pain done. Something really bad was done to you and it hurts. And it is for real. But I want you to understand forgiveness and correcting wrong are two very different things. So I'm daring you to forgive because Sometimes you just cannot correct the wrong that was done to you. Um, some misconceptions about forgiveness I want to just pass on. And these are, again, misconceptions, clear. I'd just be sending the message that he or she can do wrong and get away with it. This would mean that I've got to bury my anger. If I forgive, it means the other person wins and I lose. 
or I guess I'll just have to put a smile on my face and say everything's all right. I feel that I'm being required to go soft in something that's severely wrong. One more time, I've got to play the good guy role while the, the bad guys just get to skip on their way. Now, I could spend weeks on this sermon series alone. Hint, hint. Um, but I just want to begin that this person does not define you anymore. And forgiveness has this wonderful gift of putting boundaries on somebody. Can you begin to see that? Um, Dr. Brene Brown's research, we've been using that a lot. We're using that done in the, in the second hour class. Um, again, she found wholehearted people were those who were vulnerable enough to forgive and to walk through this stuff, and they found it. And she found this, um, this is her summary of the forgiveness research, is forgiveness is not forgetting or walking away from accountability or condoning a hurtful act. It's the process of taking back and healing our lives so that we can truly live. All of a sudden, this sounds so anti-Christian, but forgiveness is really more for us than it is to bettering the world. But of course, if we're whole and we're boundaried, we can then better the world, can't we? There's a quote from the, um, this book that we did in book club a couple weeks ago. Again, Dr. Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. I want to close with this. I mean I'm going to close. I'm not saying it's going to be longer. But this quote is, choosing authenticity and worthiness is an absolute act of resistance. Choosing to live in love with our whole hearts is an act of defiance. You're going to confuse, piss off, terrify a lot of, good, a lot of people, including yourself. One minute you'll pray that the transformation never stops, and the next minute you'll pray that it never ends. You'll also wonder how you can feel so brave and so afraid at the same time. At least that's how I feel most of the time. Brave, afraid, and very, very alive. Are you feeling the possibility? Are you maybe digging that like act of defiance to have in your life again? Isn't this better? Isn't this just feeling you have right now better than contorting yourself? to fit into the relationships you have in your life. So I just want to say, before you dismiss all this as Bible rah-rahness, and you should not, because I believe in the authority of the Bible, this church believes in the authority of the Bible, and the Bible is enough. I want to also draw up how over this entire series, we've referred to science so often. We've referred to Dr. Brene Brown's research, which is science, we talked about neuroscience and how the gratitude and stuff can rewire your brains. That is all science done by people whose names I did not record down in my studies. Um, I've, um, there's forgiveness studies that I mentioned just briefly here. This is all science. You guys, we've got Bible and the science telling us that we are enough. This is where the truth is. Grasp the possibility. And I've got one last thing for you. I should have double-checked. You got that comic for me, David? Yes. Sometimes there's disconnections. I want to just leave you with this comic. I wish I was worthy of love. It is done. Poof. Nothing's changed. Correct. Because it's 
always been this way. This is always your possibility. The God who created chocolate brownies, warm beach days, and daisies created you. You were enough the minute you were born. Let's move to communion. Thank <laughs> you.